you realize, even back 2,000 years ago, they tried everything they could to stop Jesus Christ. They tried everything. Nothing could stop him. And uh, you've got to be kind of have your head in the sand if you don't realize the same thing's trying to happen today. It's all before our eyes. We, our government, loves to make people fear. Let me give you a couple of thoughts this morning. You know, technically, I never thought I would say this, especially a few months ago. You're technically breaking an order by being in church this morning. I like that attitude about it right there. And if anybody's watching online, third row, corner seat right there. No, just, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. The camera, so it's only seen on me, so you're all safe this morning. But So we look around us, have cases gone up? Yes, cases have gone up. Have, have hospitals gotten a little bit more busy? You work in hospitals, your hospital more busy? Yeah, it's more busy. That's a fact. It's real. COVID is, I believe it's a real thing. I don't believe it's fake. I believe it's really there. Let me give you some thoughts here in the city of Chino. I've talked to people in high up places. I'm not going to say who they are because they wouldn't appreciate me saying who they are based on that. And I couldn't get my information. So in the city of Chino, you look online and the county of San Bernardino says we have 1,826 cases in the county. I mean in the city of Chino. They fail to mention that there's only about 420 actually in the city. The other 1,400 are all prison related to the men's prison and the women's prison. So 420 cases. Let's just say 450. Let's just round it up just a little bit in case anything changed in the past three days. So there are 92,000 people that live in this area right here. 92,000. 10% of 92,000 is 9,200. 1% of 92,000 is 920. 450 to 920, that's half of that. Half of 1% of people have it in the city of Chino. Let's break that down even further. So you have 20 deaths in the city of Chino, it says. 16 of those 20 deaths are prison-related. Again, so four deaths out of those that have it in the city of Chino. So let's break that down, and let's say there's 450 people that have it. And so in the city. So 450, you break that down, 10% is 45, right? So 1% have died from it, if you count it that way. If you break it down as in 92,000, down to four people that have died, that number goes way, 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 way down. Our hospital is not overran. It does have more people. Let's not overran. And we're living in fear. People are. We are eight weeks away from flu season. Eight weeks. Is flu season probably going to be a little bit worse this year because of all this? I probably think so. If we're told the churches can't meet right now indoors, what are they going to do in eight weeks? So if we don't stand up, and just say, you know, we'll just, we just won't meet. Maybe we should just wait till next March to start meeting again. And there are some mega churches that have said that. And guys like Andy Stanley should be ashamed of himself for saying things like that, keeping his doors closed till next year. People need church. I hear often people say, well, they're doing it to all the businesses too, and I feel bad for every business that's had to close because of this. But let me tell you something. No business has 
the First Amendment of the Constitution. They don't. We, as the people of God, have a freedom to worship God as we see fit, based on this book. Amen. The free liberty to do it. And no government, no Congress, no governor has the right to tell us differently. That's how our Constitution was set up. And since our governor likes to go against the Constitution, I think he should resign. Because he said he would uphold the Constitution when he took office. And since the bozo can't do it, he has no business being in office. He should be taken out of office. And every mayor, every city official, every House, Senate, wherever you want to go, all the way up, all the way up to the president, if they're not defending the Constitution of the United States, they should be out. And if we don't stand, what's going to happen? You know, churches does, doesn't need to meet anymore. We can just stay online. I don't see that biblically found anywhere. Now, I know this morning we got a lot of people watching online, and I'm glad you're watching, okay? I had someone tell me a little bit ago um, to wave at them, and I waved at them. That's why I waved. It's pretty funny. My watch went off there. And, you know, some people, I was, this morning I didn't know how many people are going to be in church. You look, we are down, 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 down between last service and this service. Before this whole thing hit in March, we were running about 200 in our two services. This morning, we'll probably be at about 90 between the two services. Last week, we were 130 between the two services. So, and I know there are some people that stayed home today, and I think this is smart. There are some people who were around, who were around or could have been around someone who has the virus. I think it's smart. Stay away. Don't bring it to church with you. Do what you need to do. I think that's smart. I think that's wise. I, don't you think people can figure out for themselves how to be wise in the things that they do? We don't need, we don't need Daddy Newsome to tell us what to do, right? And uh, I think we're big enough and old enough to figure it out. Well, some people still do need some help, but we won't get into them today. Even if Daddy Newsome tells them what to do, they still have to figure out. They're still going to need more help at the end of the day. But church is important. Don't ever lose sight of that. And I don't care what the governor says, our church will not close down again Amen. at all. Now, now, I'll tell you this. I thought about going outside this morning. But first off, I was gone all week, and I didn't feel like having to plan everything last minute when I got back yesterday. And secondly, I don't feel like I need to just jump at what the governor tells me to do. Uh, we'll talk about that in the message here in a few minutes this morning. But I'm not opposed to being outside if it's going to bring more people. If there are people that are staying home because they'd rather be outside, then you text me and tell me that. And if it's a reasonable amount, we'll move outside. There's another church that's in Eastvale, a, a pastor friend of mine, Pastor Choi. He's been here before. Their church, every place that they've been has kicked them out now. They have nowhere to meet. And so I offered him to use our yard. So they might start using our yard next week, too. So I said, I know they're in another city, but I'm like, come use our yard. I told him, you want to use the building? Go ahead. I don't know if he's brave enough to do that, but I told him he could if he wanted. Because uh, something's very interesting. The governor said all this on Monday. But do you know there's no order in place that says this anywhere in writing? There's not. There's no law that's been made and no order. You have a press conference and tweets and pictures that were put out. That's it. So... We have a bunch of people and a bunch of churches, and I know of churches all over that decided not to have church today because of it. And I'm not against them. I'm for them. But I think churches need to be open 
and we need to tell the governor, we're moving on with or without you. It doesn't matter. And you'll see that in our text today. It's amazing how the book of Nehemiah lines up perfectly with what we're, with what we're going through in our day and age today. I want to turn to Nehemiah chapter number 6. Nehemiah chapter number 6. We'll dive into the message today. And... Uh, Book of Nehemiah, chapter number 6. If you thought that the work of God and serving God was going to be easy, (laughs) you've just lived in America too long to see how easy it's been for so long. It's never been promised to be easy. You go back to the book of Acts and you look at what the church went through. You look at Nehemiah and what he went through for the work of God. The work of God is not an easy task. Tough times come. And when they do, the people of God got to rise up and keep doing what God's called us to do. We look at Nehemiah chapter number 6. We're going to read the whole chapter through the message this morning. We're going to start with just the first four verses. If you didn't get an outline this morning, there's an outline in the foyer as well as on top of the baptistry there. And uh, we, need to, we need to be praying. We need to be inviting people to church. Um, that baptistry needs to be filled in the next week or two. And someone needs to get baptized. We need to get that. We need to, we need to see that moving. And uh, Vacation Bible School is planned for a couple weeks. And since the governor's announcement, we're still having Vacation Bible School. It's going to be in two weeks when it's going to happen. We're probably going to do it all outside. No one can really argue if we do it all outside. Because basically the governor said, you can do what you want outside, but still wear your mask and everything else. And he doesn't wear his mask half the time. And when he wears his mask, anybody watch the governor? It's always below his nose anyway, so it doesn't do a good job. And... uh, you have the CDC director also say, do you hear him this week? He said, if everyone wears a mask for the next four to six weeks, we can get most of this thing behind us. If that's true, why didn't they say that when we started opening everything up six weeks ago? Because it's not true. In California, they, they showed Mayor Garcetti over 60% of Angelinos wear their masks. And they had 4,500 cases on Thursday, half of the state's total of 9,000. Their masks are doing a great job in L.A. County, doing a great job of controlling things, isn't it? It's all about control. Now, don't get me wrong. If If a place has a sign that says wear a mask, I wear the mask. I don't give them a hard time because a lot of them just do it because that's what their employers tell them. And I be nice to people, be kind, you know. Bite your tongue as you put on your mask. Whatever. Just when you go in somewhere, I think, I think a business has a right if they want you to wear one to wear one. I just don't think the government should be telling you to wear one. And uh, we need less government. The more government, the worse things get. Say, is that true? Yeah. Do you want everything to be like the DMV? Anybody like the DMV in the room? That's what happens when the government. Oh, wait. We got two examples. The DMV and the post office. <laughs> So you really want universal health care and the government running health care? Is that what you want? You want the DMV and you want the post office when it comes to health care? No, we don't. Government ruins everything, okay? And don't forget that. And now let's get to the Bible. Nehemiah 6, verse number 1. And it came to pass when Sambalad and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall, that there was no breach left therein, Though at the time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, the Samballot and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plains of Ono, but they thought to do me mischief. 
And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answer them after the same manner. This morning, the title of my message is Dealing with Distractions. Dealing with Distractions. How many of you have unfinished projects around your house that need to be finished? Hands are up. Uh, now, how many of you thought that when all this COVID thing came in March, that maybe those projects would get done? How many of you thought you might get them done, some projects done during that time? Now tell the truth. Who didn't get those projects done in the past four months? Okay, so, and, you know, there are some people, like we have the Lopez family here, they're just strange, okay? They get their stuff done. You know, they had a couple weeks ago vacation time, and they were going to paint their house. And I thought, you know, we'll see if it all gets done. They got done what they wanted to get done. There are weird people like that, okay? <laughs> and so there are some people that get the job done, but then there are some who have, get distracted. That's the type of worker I am. In, this, in our church here, in September, will be 10 years of pastoring here. And... If you look around here, in all honesty, most of everything that's been done in this room, I have helped in some way. I installed the lights. I helped paint the room. I textured the walls. I helped put the carpet in. I helped put the flooring in. Mostly everything in here, I've helped do. Every other room in the building, everywhere, I've done something. That's why it's not perfect. I'm, I can do a lot of things, but I'm a master of none. Okay, that's just the type of person I am. And uh, you can probably see there are certain spots on the floor. Yeah, you can tell Pastor did that in a professional <laughs> a little bit better. But that's beside the point. But I remember when we first got going in this room, and the O'Donnells, John's not here this morning. He's probably watching online, and uh, he'll probably re he might not even remember saying this. But it's hard for me just to stick with one project. I want to do like 10 at once. But when you do 10 at once, you don't get them all done. And then you leave things not finished. And, you know, I've still got a piece of... of trim i got to put back to here. It's been a long time. And you asked me to do that a few weeks ago. And it's on my list of things to do. It is. I just get distracted and haven't been able to deal with it yet. And um, but I remember I was, just going, I was just going to town on different parts. John's like, just do one area at a time. I probably frustrated him a little bit. And uh, he said, his famous saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. It takes time. Just take your time. One thing at a time. I remember him saying that. And uh, thanks a lot, John. But we got the things done. But it's, I remember growing up it's the same way. And if my dad watches this later, Dad, I'm sorry you're watching this. And, uh, but you go to my parents' house, and my dad had so many big, ambitious goals in certain areas. And there's still projects that didn't ever get done. And they're probably never going to get done. But distractions come. And as we look at the book of Nehemiah, and as we've been here now for a while, I think this sermon fits perfectly today, and I'll explain it to you here in just a couple minutes. But back in chapter number one, we see how one of Nehemiah's friends comes back to the palace, and Nehemiah says, how's Jerusalem? There's a big problem. The city lies in waste. The wall's destroyed. The people are distressed. The people are in anguish. It's not good what's going on. And we see that Nehemiah fasted. He prayed to God for over a month and prayed that God would help him be able to do something about it. In chapter number two, we see that Nehemiah goes before the king. And Nehemiah gets granted the request to go back to Jerusalem. A heathen king let the work of God continue. 
might not be a lesson to us to pray that our governor just gets his act together. Praise that God gets a hold of his heart. That might be a good thing. We'll talk more about that maybe in a little bit. And uh, you say, well, that could never happen. Could never happen to Nebuchadnezzar, could it? Couldn't happen to Pharaoh. Couldn't happen to any of Darius or to Cyrus. Or it couldn't happen to any of them, could it? No, it could. If God could work in their lives, he can work in Newsom's life. Chapter 2, he says, okay, you can go rebuild the wall. You can go to Jerusalem. And here's a Home Depot gift card. You can get all the wood you need. Take care of everything. It's all good to go. He goes. He views the city at night. Chapter number 3, the wall gets, they start building the wall. And some people did a lot of work. Some people did no work. Some people did the work happily. Some people did the work even though they weren't happy doing it. But they did the work. Chapter number 4, discouragement sets in. The Sam Bal and Tobias, they were working back then as well. And they got distracted. We talk about distractions now, but they got discouraged. All the rubbish, they were halfway through and it seemed like the task would never get done. And they needed some encouragement. And Nehemiah encouraged the people in the Lord and they kept going. Chapter number 5, we see that there was a group of people who didn't have money for food. There was another group of people that had to mortgage their land for food. There was another group of people that had to mortgage their land to pay the taxes. Then there was a group of rich people in Israel that took advantage of the other three groups. Caused a lot of strife. They were mad. There was anger at one another. And we see that God used Nehemiah. And by the end of the passage there, we see that they were worshiping God and praising God. And they got back to work. And so we get to chapter number 6. And we see the enemies of Nehemiah are trying to just distract him and cause him not to finish the work that God gave him to do. As we get to Nehemiah chapter number 6, and as one thing that's clear from this passage and from the entire Bible is this, that the Christian life is a battle from day one till the last day we face here on earth. We think about Paul, and he said, I finished my course, I kept the faith. It was not always easy. The Christian life, it's a battle. It's not just sunshine and roses. It's not just all wonderful. It is a battle. We are on a battlefield today. The Bible tells us, Ephesians 6, verse number 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You see, our battle today is not with Sacramento. Our battle is not with Washington, D.C. Our battle today is with Satan. He's on attack today. He is working today, and he is doing his best. And may I remind you of something today? We are seeing it unfold before our very eyes. The work of Satan is at hand today. If he can do anything through this COVID scare and everything else, if he can shut churches down and keep them from preaching the word, and you even see it where Facebook and YouTube even censor some churches and what they have to say. What are you going to do when they do that? What else do you do? You've got to understand something. It's a spiritual battle today. And Satan is doing his very best. And as we study all of this in Nehemiah chapter number 6, as well as many other places in Scripture, Satan uses two tools to attack. His first tactic is fear. Bible tells us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. 
Bible says, hey, open up your eyes, be watchful. Because your adversary, the one we're facing today, the one who's against us today, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's just watching and waiting and lurking. He uses fear. Fear. Why do you think so many people allow so many of their freedoms to be taken away from them today? Because we live in fear. The media pushes fear. Fear, fear, fear. Christian, God hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But Satan uses fear, and he also uses flattery. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 11, verse number 14, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He comes with enticing promises and flattering words. Assuring us that what he proposes will cost us nothing. But sin always costs. Whatever method he uses, fear or flattery, his aim is to distract and to destroy the people of God. We need to be on guard today. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 2, verse number 11, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Hey, we know how Satan works today. Satan uses fear, he uses flattery, Satan uses the same tricks he used in the Garden of Eden, is the same thing he uses today. And Christian, don't be ignorant, don't be stupid to what Satan does. We need to be on guard because Satan is both a lion that devours, and he's also a serpent that deceives. The outline this morning is very simple, and I think you'll get it by the time we're done. To help us better handle and how to deal with distractions. Number one, we see the intrigue. The intrigue. Since Samballot and his buddies failed in their attempts to stop the wall from being built, they decided to concentrate their attack on Nehemiah. By changing their tactics and resorting to subtle persuasion. You might call this political softball is what was being played right here. And you'll experience this in your life as well. We read those verses, verse 1 through 4 there. You see, when the wall was just about done, the wall was done, but the gate still had to be put up. The Bible tells us here, it says at, the, at verse number 2, that Samballot and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plains of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. All of a sudden, the enemies wanted to be friends. Hey, Nehemiah, let's come together. The valley, and it talks about there, the valley of Ono, or the villages in the plain of Ono. That was along the Gaza Strip. It was a beautiful resort-like area. Nehemiah, take a break from the wall. Come join us. Come relax. Come take a siesta. Sit on a hammock. Drink some tea. Relax. Let's come together. That's what they said. Now, it's interesting. Nehemiah knows, and he says, the whole reason they're doing this is they want, they want to cause me harm. 
Some commentators suggest they're trying to trick him into leaving Jerusalem because in Jerusalem he had support. And to come to a conference where they could ambush him. And Nehemiah, he gets this and he tells them, I can't come. Hey, I'm doing a great work. I cannot stop now. Why should the work cease while I come to you? I can't come. And look at this. Not only did they do this one time, they sent four times after this sort. Four times. Nehemiah, just come join us. Come take a rest. Come to this beautiful area. We'll buy, we'll buy you your hotel room. We'll get you everything you need. Just come spend some time with us, buddy, old buddy, old pal. Four times. The trick that they try to play here. It's amazing how they become, want to become his friend. And I love Nehemiah's answer. All four times. I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. And may I remind you this morning that as we live in the day and age that we do and where we have the issues that go on around us today, may I remind you of something this morning that you are doing a great work in the work of God and, I don't have, and we don't have time to stop the great work to put to do these things. Hey, governor, this morning, I don't have time to deal with you. We're doing a great work here. We're here trying to get people to the Lord. We're trying to help people's marriages today. We're trying to help children. We're trying to help young people find God and do the work of God. Hey, we're doing a good work. I don't have time for your games. I don't have time for the things you want me to do. I want to follow the Lord, and we don't have time for that stuff. And that sounds wonderful when we talk about the governor and people like that, doesn't it? But the intrigue doesn't always come from a person. It could come from a cell phone. You know, it's that time of the day where you're supposed to have your devotions. And amazing, the phone rings right at that time. Someone wants to FaceTime, someone wants to text right then. Or you get a notification from Facebook or whatever the case may be. And you know what? It's a good thing. You can look and say, hey, governor, we're doing a good work. We're not going to stop it. But the cell phone rings. God, I'll get right back to you. I got I to gotta check the tweet. Yeah, we don't like it as much when we say it that way, do we? What, think about it, what's distracting you from doing the work. Sometimes these distractions look harmless or even good things. Don't get distracted. Stay focused on what our job is. Satan does his best to bring distractions into our lives. I read years ago of a missionary in China whose abilities were so outstanding that one of the American companies tried to hire him. They offered him an attractive job with a salary to match, but he turned it down. He told them that God sent him to be a missionary in China. And he, ought, and they thought, he thought that would end the matter, but instead they came back with a better offer and increased the salary. He turned it down. And they came back to him again, doubling the financial package. Finally, he said to them, it's not your salary that's too little. It's the job that's too little. Because there's nothing like serving God. The great work that Nehemiah was doing. 
A lady by the name of Dorothy Haskins wrote a book, A Practical Guide to Prayer. In that book, she tells about a noted concert violinist who was asked the secret of her mastery of the instrument. This is what she said. There are many things that used to demand my time. When I went to my room after breakfast, I made my bed, straightened the room, dusted, and did whatever seemed necessary. When I finished my work, I turned to my violin practice. That system prevented me from accomplishing what I should on the violin, so I reversed things. I deliberately planned to neglect everything else until my practice period was complete, and that program of planned neglect is the secret to my success. So friends, in a similar way, we've been called to a great task. One that we have to prioritize or we will get distracted from it. If we don't plan some plan neglect of other things, even good things, we will get distracted from God's very best. And that's what Nehemiah does. He's involved in a great work, and he's not going to forsake it for anything else. We see the intrigue. Number two, we see the innuendo. Innuendo. Verse 5 through verse number 9. That's a big word. I tried to try to find an I, and so sometimes you can just uh, synonyms. Not, um, yeah, you can look those up and find words. So that's a big word, bigger than what I normally use, but you'll see what I mean here in just a minute. When the enemy, when the enemy can't cause a peaceful persuasion, we see that they switch back to a sinister threat. Moves from political softball to political hardball. Look at verse number five. Then sent Sam Ballot his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. Wherein was written is reported among the heathen and Geshu saith it that thou and the Jews think to rebel. Hey, even this guy, this well-known guy, he says it. He said, it must be true. That thou and the Jews think to rebel for that which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king according to their words. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, let us take counsel together. Then I said unto him, saying, There is no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart, for they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. It goes from, Hey, Nehemiah, just come join us. Let's go to Ono. And he said, No to Ono. And uh, now they say, Hey, there's this letter here, an open letter. And look at what it says, Nehemiah the whole reason you're building the wall is you're building your own kingdom. You're going to rebel against the king, and you're even having the prophets of Jerusalem come out and say that Nehemiah is going to be our leader. And we see this gossip that's out there, and even so-and-so says it's true to try and prove that fact. And we see this arm-twisting tactic is designed to put pressure on Nehemiah. So Nehemiah will say, okay, yeah, whoa, 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 if this happens, the king, we need to get together. We've got to figure this out. But he resisted it because he saw it for what it truly was. It was an enticement based on lies. And you note that it was an open letter. In other words, it was designed for everyone to see. 
If a letter was going to go to the king, it would have been a closed letter. Secretly taken to the king so the king could... No, this was so everyone around could hear what Nehemiah was doing. Have you ever noticed that rumors regularly cite people of distinction as sources? That's what's happened here. Geshem says it's true. Man, if he says it's true, it must be true, right? CNN says it's true, so it must be true, right? Someone has said that gossip is news you have to hurry to tell somebody else before you find out it isn't true. Nehemiah responds three ways to this. He denied the rumor, he prayed to God for strength, and he went back to work. It wasn't going to stop him. Verse number 8, you see how he says there, there is no such thing done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. Basically what he's saying is, there's no truth in what you're saying. You're making that up, trying to just cause trouble. And then we see that he prays to God again in verse number 9. Look what verse number 9 says, for they, made, for, the, for they all made us afraid. Hey, the people are afraid to finish the work. The people are afraid. What's the king going to do? And they're hoping that their hands will be weakened from the work, that it be not done. And Nehemiah says, now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Hey, they're making us afraid. Hey, they're trying to stop us from doing the work and weaken our hands that's not done. God, keep us strong. Their tactics were to get the people to think that Nehemiah had some hidden motive. And this was all, mo this was all Nehemiah pushing things for his own glory, to rebuild the wall, hoping that the workers would become discouraged. But Nehemiah simply prays, Lord, don't let this happen. Strengthen us stronger. Help us to do the work more in the midst of what's going on around us. And hey, church, my prayer for us today is as this world's going the way it's going, as churches have been ordered to close their doors again, my prayer is, hey, Lord, strengthen our hands. Help us do the work harder and more today. Hey, Christian, don't fear the government today. Fear standing before God someday. And when you stand before him and say, oh, God, I couldn't do anything because the governor said I couldn't. How's that going to go over in front of God? What's God going to say to you at that time? Oh, well done, thou good and faithful servant, for listening to your governor. No, well done, thou good and faithful servant. When you listen to this book and you follow this book and you just do what God tells you to do, stand up today, do what's right, stand up for God, and don't let anybody stop that. God, strengthen our hands. Let's do the work harder today. Let's do more of it. And go ahead, send more stuff our way. I dare you to. Go ahead. Let's stand up and do what God's called us to do. Don't bow down. Do what's right. Stand up. Pray to God. Do you realize God's still stronger than any government power? He still is in control of everything that goes on around us today. He still got everything under control. And the people of God need to get on their knees before God and say, Hey, God, help us to keep doing the work. The job's not going to get any easier. So let's just get doing the work. And if someone can't, doesn't want to join in the work, let's pick up their spot and let's just do the work and do what God's called us to do. We see the intrigue, the innuendo. 
We see number three, the intimidation. And I'm gone one Wednesday night. Brother Jay didn't even use this microphone here, but this thing doesn't like to stay on my ear today. Maybe my ears lost some weight. No, I don't think that's happened. <laughs> Maybe I gained some weight on vacation. That could have been it. And I uh, just can't get it to stay where it's supposed to. Or maybe I don't need to be so animated. I don't know. We see they try to get him to come four times, and he doesn't. Now they try this letter. It doesn't work. So they try intimidation. Look at verse number 10. Afterwards, I came into the house of Shemiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Metabel, Me, ah, Mehedabel, who was shut up. And, and he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us shut the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night they will come to slay thee. And I said, Should such a man as I flee? And who is there? That being as I am, would go into the temple to save his life, I will not go in. And lo, I perceive that God hath not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me. For Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him, Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so in sin and that they might have matter for an evil report that they might reproach me. My God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sembalad according to, these, to their words and to the prophetess, Odiah and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. We see the intimidation comes. We see this false prophet claims to have knowledge. That phrase there says that he was, do you see that in verse number 10, says he was shut up. So in other words, he was shut in. So in other words, it gives the idea like he had some private interpretation of something. You know, kind of like a psychic or someone of that nature. And mystically, he's not out and about. No one told me this. God gave me a message for you, Nehemiah. And we see that, um, that what happens here is he says, hey, Nehemiah, there are people out to get you and they want to kill you. Duh, I think you can see by this point. That's obvious, right? So this man says, why don't you go to the temple and shut the doors and they won't go attack you in the temple? That would be a good place to hide, right? But Nehemiah immediately detects something's wrong. Which meant, and one of the things I love about Nehemiah and something that I probably need to spend more time on, and he was so spirit-filled in everything that he did. Man, what we do is, man, someone comes to us, you're, you need to fear for your life. Okay, where do I run and hide? We just run and hide. And Nehemiah's like, hold on, something's not right. He had, he was led by the Spirit of God. It's a very powerful thing in the life of Nehemiah. And in verse number 11, he says, should, su should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? He realizes this. He can't, he can't go into the temple. He can't go in. Why? Because the priests were the ones that were in the temple. Not Nehemiah. And let me just tell you this. And if I, didn't, I should put this in your notes and I didn't. There's one phrase I want you to remember and it would be good for you to remember. Remember this. Um, think about this though having the right priorities gave Nehemiah the courage to do what was right now listen to this courage isn't the absence of fear but instead it's the tenacity to do what is right no matter how much we're afraid courage isn't the absence of fear but instead it's the tenacity to do what is right no matter how much we're afraid 
It's not just a matter of saying no to distractions. We have to learn to say yes to the right things. And we see that God gave Nehemiah insight and he realized that this was not from God. This was against him. And then we see in verse number 14 again, we see how Nehemiah, he's attacked from his enemies. And what does he do? He prays for them again. My God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sambal according to their works. Powerful prayer. And then look at verse number 15. So the wall was finished on the 20 and 5th day of the month, ill, in 50 and 2 days. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. Look at this. The wall was finished. 52 days. Think about how what a miracle that was. You think about in our day and age, they say that Trump's 500 feet of wall will be done by the end of the year. F 500 miles, not feet, sorry. 500 miles. It takes a long time to build a wall. And this was a major wall, thick wall. 52 days. And do you see what happened? Even the enemies, do you see what it says there in verse 16? Even the enemies knew that God did something. That's very powerful when you look at that and see that there. What a beautiful picture of the power of Christian witness in a community. Even the enemies had to admit God did something great. But the enemies weren't done trying. They weren't done giving up. In fact, you see at the end of the chapter, look at this, verse 17. Moreover, in those days the nobles of Judah sent many letters unto Tobiah, and letters of Tobiah came unto them. For they were many in Judah sworn unto him, because he was the son-in-law of uh, Shechaniah. Oh, I always, these names, I tell you, I looked them over all week long and everything else. Um, Shechaniah, the son of Ariah, and the son of Johanan, had taken the daughter of Meshullam, the son of Berechiah. Also they reported his good deeds before me and uttered my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to put me in fear. The wall's even finished and we see Tobiah doesn't stop. And what we see happen is we see the Tobiah here. If we look at this here, he actually marries an Israelite. And so he's getting more influence among the Israelites. And we see that he's trying his very best. And what we see is it never stops. The intimidation the fear, all these things, the enemy never stops. Even when the wall was finished, the enemy didn't stop. May I remind you this morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, there's one overriding truth throughout this book, and don't lose this this morning. The devil never quits. He is never going to give up as long as we're still alive. He will not stop. You even think about the fact he will be bound to a bottomless pit for a thousand years, and when he gets out, he still will try. Satan doesn't stop. He will not quit. And though the wall was finished, the enemy was still attacking. The enemy will always attack. The enemy is not going to go away anytime soon. The enemies of God never quit. And if he can't distract you with fear and flattery, he'll use gossip, 
and false accusations. Two things that you can do. Two things, some application this morning. First one is this. Practice saying yes to God's priorities. The best way not to be distracted is by being attracted to those things that are of the heart, on the heart of God. Stories told of a Native American who left the reservation to join his cousin who lived in the city. One day they were walking down a busy street and cars were flying up and down the street. And the Native American said, I hear a cricket. His city cousin was amazed because all he could hear was traffic. After a short search, the man reached down and picked up the cricket. When he stood up, he pulled some change out of his pocket and dropped it on the sidewalk. The noise was no louder than the crickets, but immediately several pedestrians stopped and turned towards the sound. The man then turned to his cousin and said, See, people hear what's important to them. What are you hearing today? What's important to you? Are you locked into God and his kingdom? Or are you focused on other things? Learn to say yes to God's priorities. And then number two, learn to say no to the devil's distractions. Learn to say no to the devil's distractions. So what, what's the devil using to distract me? I don't know. What's he using to distract you? Could it be television? I read that the average American spends three hours, 46 minutes watching television every day. Three hours, 46 minutes. That was before COVID-19. So think about this. That equates to 52 days of non nonstop TV watching per year. If you watch three hours, 46 minutes of television every day, in one year, that's 52 full days worth of television you've watched. If you live to be 65 years old, the average American will spend nearly nine years in front of the television. Nine years. Is that what's distracting you? Let's take some time this afternoon and look and ask the Holy Spirit to help us identify in our lives what's distracting us from doing the work that God's called us to do. Is it a friend? Is it an activity? Is it your money? Is it your possessions? Your thought life? Your career? Learn to say no to the devil's distractions. Maybe you need to practice a no like Nehemiah said. Hey, I won't come down. I will not go in. I saw this a few years ago. It was a fictional report of a worldwide convention that Satan and his demons participated in. In the devil's opening address to his followers, he said, we can't keep Christians from going to church. Well, that's kind of happening now. But we can steal their time. Let's keep them busy in the non-essentials of life and invent innumerable schemes to occupy their minds. Keep them busy, busy, busy. And while they meet for spiritual fellowship, involve them in gossip and small talk so that they leave without troubled consciences and unsettled emotions. Let's crowd their lives with so many good things that they have no time to seek the best things. Church, the enemy will act to distract you. And as he's trying to distract, God's kingdom still moving forward. Satan is subtle, but our God is sufficient. Remember, when God's priorities become our priorities, 
God's kingdom work advances. When the wall was complete, all the people, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that God had been doing a great work. In the midst of where we live today, may people look to the church and say that's definitely God working in their lives. That's what we need to Hey, church, learn to say yes to God's priorities and learn to say no to the devil's distractions. We're in a fight. We're in a battle. And this battle will be over someday. Praise the Lord, we're on the winning side. I'll say that again. Praise God, we're on the winning side. And uh, are you reading your Bible right now, Art, during the message? Your phone has a much distraction. See, we let the devil use that phone to show a great distraction right there. Learn to say no to the devil's distractions to learn to say yes to God's priorities. Father, we love you and thank you for the time we've had this morning in your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Father, just continue to work in our lives. Help us live for you. Guide us, direct us, help us today. I pray that you just bless our church family. Help us live for you. Help us to prioritize things, to seek you first, put you first. Help us learn to say no to the distractions that come our way. We love you. We need you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.